You are listening to the Gospel Teaching Series from Jubilee Church. This series takes a close look at the simplicity and depth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ and its seemingly endless meaning and application for life. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Great to be with you uh, today. Uh, like Brian said, my name is David. And, um, you know, there's uh, some things that stand out to you if you're not from St. Louis when you move to St. Louis. And uh, I'm not a native of St. Louis. I grew up in the Kansas City area. And so I moved here in 2003. And one of the things that I noticed immediately about St. Louis was that everyone was crazy about the Cardinals. Uh, that this was like a town that like lived and breathed uh, for the Cardinals. I was shocked by it because uh, growing up in Kansas City, that's not true of the Royals. I mean, I was a fair weather fan at best coming from Kansas City. uh, But the truth is like, I was never really excited. I was never really invested. I might've been able to tell you like the name of one player on the team. So I came to St. Louis and I just started noticing young to old, everyone gets excited about the Cardinals. And, uh, but truthfully, I was personally indifferent. You know, I didn't grow up here. I was apathetic. I didn't really care if they won or lost. I didn't get happy or sad. Um, but I, I, wait, wait, let me finish my story before you start protesting. But that's, but as I moved here, that I, I was indifferent. And, um, and then I remember one day, college campus, there was a group that was taking, if you signed up, you got to go for free. So I said, why not? I'll go, to, I'll go to a free professional baseball game. And I remember going to the game. I remember walking into uh, what was the old Bush Stadium. And, uh, and I just remember this electricity in the atmosphere. Like, I just remember just feeling this sense of anticipation. And I sat down, and just the longer I was there, the more I was just being drawn into something that was happening. And then, at the crack of a bat, I witnessed my first Cardinal home run. And it was over. All of a sudden, I found myself standing. I was part of the crowd yelling and cheering. You know one of the things that's amazing about a Cardinals game is when it's a good game, people don't sit down. I've never seen that happen at a baseball game. But we're standing and cheering, and all of a sudden, I'm just caught up into what's happening in this game. And all of a sudden, I'm excited, and I'm invested, and I want to know more, and I want to learn the players' names, and I want to buy the ball cap and the T-shirt and pay for the overpriced hot dog. Like, I was all in. Like, I wanted to know more. My attitude completely changed. My attitude went from 30 minutes ago being indifferent to being totally invested. It did a 180. 
attitude is defined as a person's settled way of thinking or feeling. It's settled, it's decided, it's finished. But we have experiences, we all have attitudes and we all have experiences that unsettle what is settled. We have moments where our attitude has changed, where we once thought, where we once felt. I mean, we all can look back, I'm sure, and think about times where we thought something or felt something and thought we would never change. I mean, ask a five-year-old, you know, ask, a, ask, ask my four-year-old daughter if she's interested in boys. She'd be like, she, she would recoil, she'd become uncomfortable, she'd think that's gross. She has a settled way of thinking that you could not convince her that someday down the road, her attitude will change. But we have that. We, we all have things that we have settled in our heart. We, but we experience these things and we change. One day, sadly for me, she will change. And we change. We change from apathy to passion. Or sometimes we change from love to even greater love. You ever, you ever said that? Like, I didn't know. I knew I loved you, but I never knew I could love you like this. And we have moments that we look back on and say, I once thought, I once felt, I once believed. Maybe you can't relate to my cardinal game experience, but there's something that we can all look back on that we experienced that impacted us in such a way that it caused our attitude to change. Maybe it was something you accomplished. Maybe it was a trip. Maybe you climbed a mountain or maybe you stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon. I've never done it, but I've heard it's a life-changing experience. Maybe it was the birth of a child. Or maybe it was falling in love. Hearing the words, I love you, from someone important in your life can absolutely change your world. I love you has the power to change our attitude, to unsettle what is settled. We're in a series about the gospel, which simply means the good news of Jesus. And the good news of Jesus is meant to have a profound, multifaceted impact on our life. It's meant to touch every area. And it's a beautiful message about receiving a love that we did not deserve. One of the things that the gospel will change is our attitudes. And we're going to witness this happening to Zacchaeus. The hero of our story today, well, really, Jesus is the hero of our story, but the main, Zacchaeus is our character that we're taking a look at, and he's a, we don't know much about Zacchaeus. We know that he's a chief tax collector, right? So uh, this means that he's working for the Romans. Um, Our story doesn't give us a lot of specifics, but what we can tell about him is that he is not anybody's favorite person, right? The crowd does not care about Zacchaeus. In fact, they don't like him. Tax collectors were seen as traitors in the Jewish, uh, amongst the Jewish people. They had a reputation of being dishonest, of taking advantage of the poor, of inflating tax rates for personal gain. They were seen as a cruel, uncaring group of people that were a part of a tax system that was rampant with abuse. So it would be of no surprise and even likely that Zacchaeus knowingly took advantage of people, cheated people, and stole from people for his own personal gain. Zacchaeus was not a good man. He would not have been your friend. You would not have liked him. He appears to be a man driven by the wealth that he could amass in spite of the friends he could. He sought a life of comfort a life of ease. Maybe that was his aim. Maybe that was the bar he set for himself to having a happy life. Maybe he's like, I don't care about people, but if I can make money 
Wealth and comfort are common things that people strive for then and today. They're things that we still commonly sacrifice for. And we pick them up in our story and we find Zacchaeus hoping to catch a glimpse of Jesus. That's all he's hoping for. It says, it says he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So he doesn't know Jesus. Jesus doesn't know him, but he had heard about him somehow, some way. And in Jesus's uh, time here on earth in his ministry, he's gaining popularity. When he goes to a place, crowds of people follow him. And so it could be that Zacchaeus just had heard some stories, some rumors about who he was, what he had done, maybe heard that he has healed people people who are sick, but somehow Zacchaeus knows about him. In fact, it could just be even that uh, there's a story of Jesus before he enters the city where Zacchaeus is. It says that Jesus heals a blind man. And so maybe Zacchaeus hurt, caught wind of that. And he just, he's like, he wanted to catch a glimpse of this Jesus. Who was this guy? Who was this celebrity he kept hearing about? But whatever the reason Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, he had obstacles. Besides the fact that probably no one was happy to see him. He was, on top of that, he was physically short and couldn't see over the crowd. Now, some people don't even want to go, wouldn't even face the crowd, wouldn't even try to get out, knowing that if I go out there, no one likes me, no one wants me out there. But he was determined. And there's some determination and some persistence that we see because he doesn't give up and go home. Even though he can't see over the crowds, what does he do? He says he runs ahead and then he climbs a tree. So imagine a grown man. Okay, this, this, and this culture is wildly about status, position. I mean, he had an image. He was wealthy. He's, he has status. This little man runs ahead of the crowd and scampers up a tree. So he, not only was he determined, he was willing to look foolish to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus is surrounded by people pressing in around him hanging on every word that he says, waiting to see if he'll perform some miracle. He's at the center of attention, surrounded by all of these people. And I don't know the crowd, I don't know who the, who the crowd all consisted of, but I bet there were some good people in that crowd. I bet there were hardworking people, generous people, caring people, people who were liked and respected by those who knew them. And all of these people were following Jesus to see what he would do next. And then... And then comes Zacchaeus' moment. Here's his moment. The moment that he would look back on for the rest of his life as a defining moment, as a moment that changed him, a moment that unsettled everything that was settled in his life. Because see, he thought he was gonna catch a glimpse. He thought he was gonna see Jesus just walk by. He had no idea that Jesus would see him. There was no reason for Jesus this man of God to care about or to even know about Zacchaeus, this tax collector hanging in a tree. And I can just imagine if Zacchaeus were here, like what he would say about this moment. As he, what if he were here and he described the moment? I could imagine him saying something like, I was, I was there, I was hanging in the tree and I watched, I watched him coming. I could see the crowds and you could feel the electricity in the air. You could feel it in the atmosphere, this sense of expectation that something is going to happen. And I could see him walking, walking, and then all of a sudden he was there. And I thought he was going to go, but then something happened. He stopped. He turned to me. He looked 
right at me. And then not, not only that, but he called me by name. He called me to come down. He said he wanted to come with me. He said he wanted to go to my house. He wanted to eat with me. There's something powerful about your name being spoken, about someone looking out in a crowd and calling you out, speaking your name. There's something powerful about that. Something powerful about standing here, and if I were to look and say, Mike Lawson, God wants you to know that he loves you. Something powerful about that moment. Zacchaeus, surrounded by a crowd, hanging in a tree, Jesus stopped and looked at him and called him by name. He thought he'd catch a glimpse, but had no idea Jesus was coming for him all along. John 10 uh, says this in verse three, it says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Verse 14 says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. He was the initiator. Zacchaeus sought Jesus, but Jesus said, you come down. I'm coming to your house for dinner today. Zacchaeus wasn't a good man. He didn't deserve Jesus's attention, much less his friendship. But Jesus left the crowd to go to Zacchaeus' home. He came for him. And he was mocked for it. The crowd, the crowd turned their nose up in for it. They grumbled at Jesus' self-invite over to Zacchaeus' house. They said, that man is a sinner. What's Jesus doing with that guy? But Jesus wasn't concerned about the crowd. Zacchaeus' moment changed him and changed his attitude on life. It unsettled everything in his life that was settled being with Jesus has a profound effect on him. And for the first time, for the first time, he sees how wicked he thinks and feels. There's something about being with Jesus that, change, that changes him on the inside. And so Zacchaeus, we don't know when it happens. We don't know if maybe they went and they had their meal because at some point he's sitting because it says he stands. And so it says he stands in the crowd, witnessed a man's heart changing before their eyes. But it wasn't the crowd's approval Zacchaeus sought. They wouldn't be his judge, and it wasn't for them that he was making confession, and he wouldn't let them be a reason to hold back either. He stands and he confesses not to a teacher, not to a man, not to a miracle worker, but to Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. He repents, which he repents, which means he turned away. He turned away from his old way of life, from his old way of thinking, from his old attitudes. And he declares here and now in verse eight, you can see, what does he say? He says, he stands, he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. If is a powerful word there. If is a powerful word because I think it's possible Zacchaeus realizes that there could be people in his life that he has cheated in the past that he can't even remember. And what does he do when he says, if, if I have done this, he is opening his life to people. He is opening his life to rebuke and commits to paying back four times, not just the amount, not just to settle up and to make even, but to go above and beyond out of generosity to pay back four times the amount that he took. 
His life was closed off, but the gospel freed him to open it back up to Jesus and to other people. So Zacchaeus' attitudes didn't just shift, they were flipped. Zacchaeus once sought self-promotion and now he wants to promote others. He once sought accumulation of wealth and now seeks generosity. He was once satisfied by taking advantage of others, but now he's motivated to bless others. He was once happy for others to pay the price, but now he is overwhelmed to pay the price himself. The gospel changes our attitudes. It leads us into greater and greater humility, into greater and greater selflessness, into greater and greater care for people, into greater and greater openness. Being judgmental and condemning is not a part of becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the crowd. The crowd was condemning. The crowd was judgmental. They thought they were better that they were the ones who should be going to dinner with Jesus. The crowd accused Zacchaeus of being a sinner and failed to see that they themselves were sinners. We all have sin in our life. We all have fallen short. May we never be the crowd. The crowd looked down on Jesus for what he did and judged him. And Zacchaeus looked up at Jesus in humility and received him. There will always be a crowd in our life. Don't let the crowd be the determining factor in your life. Let the determining factor in your life be Jesus. Jesus, who knew that Zacchaeus, while maybe he was able to pay back all his debts to people, could never pay back his debt to God. He could never pay back God for every sinful thought, every hateful thing, every prideful decision, every selfish choice from the moment he entered this life. There was a debt that Zacchaeus could not pay. And Jesus, knowing that Zacchaeus could never earn his way back, knowing that we could never earn our way back, never knowing that we could never pay our spiritual debt, he went to the cross. And he received the punishment that was set aside for you and I. And he took it and he stood in Zacchaeus's place and he stood in my place and he stood in your place. And he took the punishment that we deserved so that we can have an unbroken and unencumbered relationship with God. When Jesus was on the cross, the father took his wrath that he had stored up for the sin of the world and he poured it out onto Jesus so that when we accept in our heart that Jesus is God, that he is the author and perfecter of our faith, that he is good and that we fall short, he can sweep in and forgive us and make us a son or daughter never again, never again to be separated from his love. Zacchaeus did not deserve to be known by Jesus but neither did anyone in the crowd. Everybody falls short. And this is why the gospel is so beautiful here. And we'll read in Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse eight, it says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know what the qualifying factor is to be saved, to be redeemed, to know God? 
the only qualifying factor is Jesus. It's his words, it's his works, it's his good deeds, it's his sinless life, it's his sacrifice. Your good works won't get you in. Your bad works won't keep you out. It's about who is Jesus in your life. Is he a good person? Is he a good teacher? Positive role model, good influence? Or is he Lord? When he is the Lord of your life, he will, for good, change your life. He will change your attitudes. He will unsettle what is settled so that you can walk in more and more freedom. Zacchaeus' moment was at the sycamore tree where everything that was settled become unsettled. For me, my moment was sitting on a couch when I was a kid praying with my parents, praying with my parents, praying with my parents, learning about Jesus, being introduced to him for the first time. Maybe your moments today, maybe you haven't known Jesus as Lord. He wants you to know him because he has good things. He has freedom for you to walk in. It's not his desire for you to know about him. There are so many people that know things about Jesus. It's not his desire for you to know about him. He didn't want Zacchaeus just to catch a glimpse of him but it's his desire for us to be changed by his love for us and to walk in relationship with him, to know him, to encounter him, to sit with him, to know his voice and hear his voice. Jesus wants to awaken your heart. He wants to heal your hurts. He wants to bring freedom from a way of life that's trapped you. You may be here feeling like your life is out of control or you may be here feeling like, you know what, you're kind of just coasting you're comfortable, you've got what you want in life. But Jesus wants you to know that the life he has for you, no matter if you're feeling good or bad, the life he has for you is better than anyone that you could imagine for yourself. He wants you to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has bottled every tear, that he has bore every pain, and that he gave everything up to know you and for you to be able to walk with him the way that Zacchaeus walked with him back to his house. You may be afraid to say yes to God. You may be afraid to let him in, to let him be the Lord in your life because you're afraid of what might change. I have felt that a number of times in my life. If I open my life to God, he's gonna change something. And what if he changes something that I don't want him to change? You can be afraid of that. It's a legitimate fear that we have. But all I can say is I just can promise you that any change that he makes is a change out of love for you and for your good. And you won't ever taste and see without leaping with faith. He promises goodness for you. I don't know how apathetic or passionate you're feeling today. I don't know how angry or happy you are, how open or closed off you're feeling, how selfish or selfless. I don't know if you have ever trusted Jesus and confessed that he is Lord, but what I do know is that none of us deserve it. But Jesus has made available to us that which we do not deserve. And I know that he loves you, that his word promises if we seek him, that we shall find him just like Zacchaeus did. Today, today, you can know Jesus as Savior if you have never known him as Lord before. You just have to believe. 
Believe he is who he says he is. Believe in his goodness, in his love, in his sacrifice for you. And he'll change your life. He'll change your attitudes. He'll cause you to live differently because the moment you believe, he promises to take a heart, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Maybe you're here today and you've been a believer in Jesus for some time. Maybe you're like me. It's something that happened a long time ago in your life, but it's been a while since your heart felt alive the way that it did when you came to faith. Jesus wants your heart to burn for him. Reminds me of the story, actually, when Jesus, after he's resurrected, he's walking with his disciples, and then they realize it's him, and it's, didn't our hearts burn as he spoke to us? Jesus wants you to live a life where your heart didn't just burn once long ago, didn't just, you're not just holding on to a flicker. He wants your heart to burn today with the truth of who he is, with the radical love that he has for you today, to live in the goodness of knowing that no matter how good, bad, happy, sad you are today, he loves you, he died for you, and he gave himself for you. I believe God wants to just bring fresh vision and life to you today if you feel like you've kind of been coasting or kind of leaning back and your heart's maybe grown a little cold towards the things that God's doing. There could be things that you need to repent of today. Zacchaeus stood and repented. I think most of us cringe at the word repentance, especially if I said you should repent. That would be like a cringeworthy thing. But the truth is repentance is a gift to us. Zacchaeus wasn't, he wasn't ashamed. He repented. He was, he was turning away from something and he was going to walk in the freedom that God had for him. And repentance is an ongoing gift for Christ followers, for those who are in Jesus, that as we walk with him, it's inevitable that he brings things up. He shows us attitudes that aren't lining up with the way that he thinks, with the way that he feels. And he brings them up to the surface so that we can repent and be free from them and continue to walk and know him in deeper and deeper ways. Jesus wants you to know that you're not shackled or hindered or prevented. The crowd has no power, only the power you give it. Life with Jesus doesn't make you like the crowd. You don't become more and more like the crowd. It makes you like Jesus, who selflessly gave himself up so, so people could witness the love that God has for his creation. In order for our city to encounter the good news of Jesus, to encounter a God who loves them, we must all first seek him. We must first encounter him. We must first be changed by him. Zacchaeus was changed. And now people who encountered Zacchaeus would not experience harshness, but kindness, not manipulation, but love. What if we all responded to our salvation like Zacchaeus? What if we chose that today? What if we chose God's glory over our comfort? What if we didn't let the crowd be the determining factor in our life? What if we didn't let fear and insecurity be the determining factor in our life, but we let the, the, our desire to be with Jesus and to know Jesus? What if we let that be the determining factor? What if we all committed to this life, seeing our possessions as a means to an end? 
What if we did that? I mean, what if it wasn't all about getting the next paycheck and the next income and the next new toy and the next vacation? What if that wasn't what life was about? What if that was, what if everything that we had, we saw it as something given to us by God so that we can bless someone else somehow, some way? What if we all thought like that? What if we humbled ourselves to repent immediately when we wronged someone? What if we opened our lives to let others challenge us? Challenge us. It feels like such a scary thing. It feels like oh, if we repent, it's death. But that's only death if it's in our goodness that we find our value. If how people view us and think about us and see if, it, if that's where our value is, then repentance is death. But if it's in Jesus knowing that we are loved today, tomorrow, forever, that he's forgiven us, that he died for us so that once we receive him, he is, we are separated from our sin as far as the East is from the West. And our value is in the fact that oh, I'm a son of God or a daughter of God and he loves me and nothing can change that. If we live in that place, repentance is a gift that we can freely distribute, that we can freely put to practice in our life. We can open our lives to others to challenge us. We can say, hey, what do you see in my life that is off that I need to change? What if we did that? What if we live for God's glory instead of comfort? What if we ran to Jesus and we caught wind of a bad attitude in our life? Imagine the kind of love that would be displayed in our community groups. Imagine the generosity that would flow through our community. Imagine the joy that would fill our hearts as we gathered together. Imagine the witness to our city. Imagine the power that would be put on display if we all got a hold of this, if we all lived this way. I guess if we all did this, then we could be a church that so embodied the presence of Jesus that it would cause those around us to want to peek in to catch a glimpse of what's happening and then find themselves encountering their Savior, Jesus. Let's stand and pray. My hope for you today is that you are encountering Jesus, that you don't just know about him, that you don't know information about him, but that your heart is burning with the truth of who he is, with the truth that he loves you and he died for you, that he came for you, that if you seek him, that you shall find him. It says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. Jesus wants to be known and he wants you to know him. And maybe today, maybe today you have never made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you've never had that moment where you've said, you know what, I've seen him as a positive influence. I've seen him as a good person or I frankly, I've been kind of indifferent to who Jesus is. Today, you can know him as your savior. You can be redeemed. Your life, your attitudes can be flipped and changed. You can experience freedom that you've never experienced. And experience